hands and thank the Lord for what he has done so far in our midst. Praise God. He is amazing. Um, we honor him for all that he has done so far um, in our midst. And I'm excited to uh, share in this with you guys. Um, let's all stand and um, we'll go ahead and read our scripture. Um, and I just know that God is going to do something uh, phenomenal in our midst. I forgot my little name thing. Um, praise the Lord. All right, so we are, remember, of course, our podcast is available um, every single week. And so um, you are more than welcome to listen to that, to share it with your people, share it with your family, share it with the person to get on your nerve throughout the week. Just let them just, hey, get to get some Jesus to you. And so uh, we are very, very grateful for that. Uh, we are in our series, uh, Let This Mind Be In You. Let This Mind. I think it's been fun so far. Uh, although we've technically only technically had one message and we had Mama Sharon's insertion last week um, because God had his own uh, plan. And so praise the Lord, which is all right with us. We want to go to Romans chapter 7, um, verse 23. Romans chapter 7, verse 23. Romans chapter 7, verse 23. I will be honest and say that this actually is not something that many people would preach um, because... It is not a, a favorite uh, per se. Um, a favorite typically is a couple of verses above that, which you'll hear me reference. Um, however, uh, this is something a bit different. All right. So Romans chapter seven and verse 23. Um, it reads this King James Version. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. I want to preach from this subject. Um, when laws collide, I'm not letting you go that easy. Amen. You may be seated. When laws collide, I'm not letting you go that easy. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do and say. We yield to you, Father. Have your way. Without you, I am nothing. With you, we are everything. Thank you for your presence and power that's here. In your name we do pray. Amen. So we'll say, when laws collide, I'm not letting you go that easy. So, um, yes, I have a Bible today. Ain't that something? Um, mama. Um, it's New King James. That makes you change your amen. But it's New King James, but um, I have a Bible. There's, this is a scripture I have wrestled with for six days. Um, and with what I wanted to put on my this and that, I just I, I couldn't do it. So I had just to pull out an old script and uh, just use it. But um, there is so much to this. I've literally been wrestling with the scripture. And to be honest, I'll be very I'm still wrestling with this. Because this scripture about Paul is something that is not, again, preached often. Um, it's preached in a holistic standpoint, but not just this one verse. Um, uh, this is famous around the scripture. We all know when I would do good, what's the rest of it? Evil is. So that's a scripture that is typically highlighted, but it's highlighted right before this scripture is given, Isaiah. So it's something very difficult and different to speak from because you have to dissect exactly what Paul was referencing in this. So let's do some backstory and then we'll see what the Holy Spirit wants to do with this. Amen. So. Let's try it again. Amen. 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 All right. So this particular Rome, Romans in general, 
Um, it's one of a fascinating book of the Bible. If you have not taken the time to read Romans as a believer, you should. Romans is an amazing book. Um, he's writing it to the church of Rome. He wrote this around A.D. 57. And the interesting thing about this particular thing is Paul wrote this letter to the Roman church. However, the crazy thing is with me is that he wrote this in hopes that he would visit, which means that he has not been there, mom, but he knows exactly what's going on, Miss Ross. It's amazing how discernment works so much through Paul and the spirit of prophecy worked through him in such wisdom and knowledge that he was able to speak these things to these, these persons and he has never been there before. Paul wrote some of his greatest letters in jail. He wrote them, wrote them in hopes that he would. He always would put in the scripture, I hope that I would see you one day or I hope that I would be able to encounter you one day. However, he, a lot of times in his journey, had not encountered them just yet. However, was one of the most prolific passages, prolific authors in the Bible that we have, could have had, other than Jesus Christ. In the lost books, there actually is a book of Paul. And I would love to read that in fullness because Paul was one that had the most significant encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus in Acts. He had a, a transformation that is unheard of. Now remember, with all the other disciples, all his thing was, was deny yourself, come follow me. Leave your fishes and come follow me. However, he had two encounters with Jesus Christ on the road in Damascus. The first one was his name came from Saul to Paul. Okay. After that, then though he was all right, he was he got got himself together, but he wasn't all the way there yet. And then Scripture tells us in Acts that then he had another encounter where he was struck and blind. That after he was struck and blind, he used another another man of God to heal him through Jesus Christ. So it's amazing how God will have an encounter. Let me tell you, the only reason why God comes to have strong encounter with you is to change something about you that you may not even know is in you yet. So when he changed Saul to Paul, he chose Paul because Paul had significance to him. There was something good about Paul that God loved, that he needed Paul. Now, this does not take away the other disciples. What I'm saying to you is this, is that Paul was different than them. He had a certain kind of tenacity, a certain kind of structure to his tone, a certain kind of way, a swag to him, if you will, that caused him to be different than the others. And he could not, and only he could accomplish what everyone else could not accomplish Paul and now we see him writing majority of the New Testament and it said it's written that the book of the book of book of Paul was written from the perspective of Luke so Luke had even a close call with Paul in some regard to be able to write and share his journey along the way so when he got to these two encounters God changed him and now shaped him into this but mind you Nobody typically instructed and walked with Paul. Paul learned as he went. He was taught by Jesus himself. He came, he had an encounter. And both times he encountered. I strongly believe, by my own belief, that when Paul was stricken blind, was struck blind, and then was given sight again, it was the ending to his natural sight and the beginning to his spiritual sight. Sometimes you need to be struck blind. So you can stop seeing the same thing in a different in the, in the same way. The reason why God wants to blind you and then give you your sight back is so you can change the perception of how you see things all the time. 
I can see that my aunt has on a gray, a gray uh, blouse with pink stripes. I can see that. But someone else with a different perspective may say, well, it looks black over here. And someone may say it looks white over here because they're at different angles. Paul was able to see things from a holistic standpoint and not even be anywhere near you. One of the greatest, none of them ever, other ones never got to experience anything like Paul. So when we see Paul getting to chapter 7 in Romans, he wrote this. It was one of the longest letters. The Romans, this letter in Romans in general was one of the longest letters he's ever written. At the same time, you all, when it comes to Romans and Paul writing this, he wrote the book of Romans just because to say, hey, you all living under the law. But let me tell you, there is somebody that's come to save you and his name is Jesus. That was the whole purpose of Romans. Now I'm going to get to chapter 7, and Martin Luther calls this one of the greatest, not Martin Luther King, not what we know, Martin Luther, all right? Back in the day, Martin Luther. He called this one of the greatest letters ever written. One of the greatest letters ever written. Paul is letting them know simply that the sin that they're in does satisfy us. We start in Romans chapter 7 and just walk through, walk through this together. He starts off saying that, hey, this is the beginning of what you should understand. That yes, I understand where you are. Sin satisfies you. I understand this. He, so he starts off saying, you know, do you not know, brethren, speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over man as long as he lives? For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's released from the law of the husband. So then, if while her husband is living, you see all the laws going through here, all this law talk. This, then, thou, dikama, shekama, do thou, dum, dum. Okay? If you do this, you don't do that, you're going to go to hell, you're going to die, whatever else. And then therefore, brother, also understanding that if you become dead to the law, to the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. Here's the thing. All in this scripture, we're going to get through kind of dissected together, but all of this, this passage of scripture, they have ruled out that Paul was saying that the law doesn't matter anymore. They were saying, so they condemned Paul. Paul actually, if you do some study, Paul is actually referenced to as the Antichrist. Because his message was basically the law doesn't matter. The law doesn't matter. The law doesn't matter. He was not saying to get rid of the law. He was saying the penalty of the law you're no longer under. But if you listen too, if you listen too slowly or whatever it may be, you'll think that he was saying you're in trouble. You're not in trouble because God loves you. You can do what you want to do. Grace is good. Yes, grace is wonderful. At the same time, Paul is not saying it's okay to do what you want to do. Praise the Lord. Okay? So everybody understand that? All right. So he walked around saying that you, you can live freely. However, at the same time, what he's also saying is that you're not living under the penalty of that thing anymore. So then he gets to verse seven, sin's advantage in the law. Verse seven through 13 talks about his life before he became a Christian. He starts talking. About what shall we say to these very things? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known the, co- the covetousness unless the law had said it, you should not covet. But sin, taking an opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law was sin as death. I was alive once within the law. 
But when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. So what Paul was saying in from 7 to 14, you can read it. He was saying that, first of all, let's get this out the way. Uh, when you were a kid, well, I told myself, my mom was here. I was one that would do things my mom told me not to do. Overall, I was a good kid. Uh, Chris was too, Mama Sharon said. I was a good kid. However, um, at the same time, every once in a while, I would, you know, I would do a little, you know, little, you know, you know, you know, yourself. Just every once in a while. For example, I had to learn about the stove the hard way. <laughs> I had to learn about the stove the hard way. You know, because although my mom said not to touch the stove, that made me want to touch the stove even more. So what did I do? And my little uh, buckethead self, big old head, trying to wobble on the little taller shoes. You know, all loud, trying to be quiet. And just, ah! Because I touched the stove and wasn't supposed to. And, of course, her response was, I told you not to touch the... Yeah, I got the same mama, apparently. So this is what Paul is saying altogether in one of these verses in 7 13, talking about... I did not want to do it, but since you told me not to do it, I wanted to try it out myself. This was the permission the law that he was talking about. The law gave him permission to sin. However, then when he came, he crossed over in verse 14. He then talks about, I have accepted him. I've accepted for we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Meaning that there are some things it taught me, and I know I'm not. I'm supposed to hate that thing, but I'm still intrigued by it. We're going to get somewhere. The real message is probably all of three seconds long. Probably point three seconds, but just hold on tight. So he's speaking of... All these things he is dealing with and suffered with. And now he's saying, but after I have accepted Christ, now I understand that I'm not doing this. I don't understand what I'm doing. Now I've stepped into something different. Let's keep going. You ready? Now he gets through verse 14 and goes and talks about now his convergence has happened. Now who he is after he has finally met Christ and what he is doing now. Verse 18, for I know that in me that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform uh, what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I, excuse me, but the evil I will not do that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. This is the convergence of the person that happens to be now living with Christ. It's not that you hope to do it. It's that simply that when you don't want to, you're still going to. Paul is admitting his humanity because every in this time people deemed Paul quite wonderful, as if he was not at least as, as if he was not sinful, as if he never committed anything, as if he was you know just as close to God as possible. And I, I think that's something to understand. It is this is going to be a thing you will deal with until you cross over into heaven. You are going to have some sin in your life. Amen. There is no one perfect except Jesus Christ. 
Do I think it's possible to go and have a good day? I think it is good to have a good day. But sometimes Paul said in this chapter that even in your good, there's still evil going to be present. <laughs> even in your best intention, there's still some worst intention. Amen. And you would think Paul would have a different story because he's really walked with God some time with him had two major encounters you would think he was worth it he was something more but he said oh my man this this ain't ain't me and now we get to verse 20 he said if i do what i would not it is it is it is no more that i do it but sin that dwells in me verse 21 i find in a law that when i would do good evil is present with me when saying your verse in king james when i would do good evil is always present Evil's always around. But Paul said that even when I try to do good sometimes, I still mess up. I beg you about a dollar. Paul probably said a, a word or two in some of his letters that was not holy because they were showing off. I'm just sure that Paul had, you know, you know, you know he, hey man, and he lived a life of salvation. He didn't have a wife. I'm sure he had a couple of encounters along the way that was not holy because when I try to do good, evil is always present. This is not permission to go and blame it on what you and what I would. He was always, it's not, don't leave out here saying that David said, you go out and do what you want to do, and it's all right because evil, give me, evil is always around you. No! Just because it's around you does not mean it should be your choice. Bless his name. All right? Verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law in my mind. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. I have several questions. This one verse has had me stumped for six days. Because I've been trying to understand exactly how Paul is dealing with this war that's inside of him. Between these two things that are battling against his, his being. His entity of called Paul. I'm just wondering how Paul is managing throughout life to write letters that are prolific and profound and prophetic and still deal with the propensities of his flesh. I just wonder how Paul is doing doing that. Sounds like us, right? We come in church or we have encounter outside of church and live our best lives, but at the same time, something always is bothering us. Something is always trying to do something to us. So Paul brings us two laws here in this verse. The law of the mind and there is, there is the law of members in verse 23. What is crazy to me is that why he says the law of members. So you would think that Paul says something a little bit different here to make it known. However, the law of the mind I thought was the carnal self. It is not. When we see this, it's speaking of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are made new. Let me prove something to you. Now we understand that Paul is saying, I have the mind of Christ living in me. However, there is another law that I'm not too sure of that's bucking up against what I've always known. So just because, I'm just, I'm, that, this, I hope this frees all of you all. Just because you mess up does not mean the mind of Christ is out of you. Amen. Amen. Paul says 
that there is a war going on. But when you choose to do wrong, that's when you give ammo to the war of your members. Now, members, someone say members, or it is called the law of sin. But in your members, Paul was talking specifically about his body. The different members of your body. Your members are going, I used to say my members are going crazy. Your members, your members going crazy. Let me ask you something. How many members you got? How many of your church running inside your body? How many things are you warring against every single day that nobody else knows about? This is what Paul is saying here in the text, man. He's saying that although I would do good, my members still got the loud hallelujahs in the back. Cheering me on, hoping that I would mess up. But at the same time, I still have to understand that I got this 2 Corinthians 5, 17 mind. Like, you know, I got this new mind that any man being in Christ, he's a new creature. He had an experience that he stepped with him on, the, on Damascus, right? So you would think that everything goes away because you finally accepted Christ. Let me tell you something, sweetheart. That's not going to be so. Everything does not go away when you accept him. And of course, it'll be easy for God just to be like, you know, oh, I'm going to take this away from you. And it'll be all great. But there's some things you got to work at. And here's the best part of what I'm just saying to you. Are you ready? You got to work on it for the rest of your life. Oh, man, I know that may crush your bones. But you got to work on this thing for the rest of your life because Paul, in his greatness, was still saying, I still want to do good. However, I'm still tempted sometimes to slip up. And the truth was, he did. Because his members were at war or raging or crying out for a pleasure that's so satisfying to the body. So he started out saying, I understand that sexual sin is good. I understand that you know, fornication, I understand that alcohol and drinking, I understand that coveting after everything that went against the tank. I understand, I, I understand going against this wonderful, but Moses a Mosianic law was ordained for you not to sin against it, and you are. But at the same time, although you did mess up, Paul is saying there's still grace for you, although you did it. God still loves you. Beautiful story. However, I still got this war going on in my mind. I still have the law of my mind and the law of my members working together. Now let's put this together so we can understand this together. So Paul wants to do the right thing, but it's really hard for him to do the right thing. But here's what I want you to understand. When you first learn something, um, let me see what I can do. Um, what is this? A Bible. Who taught you that this was a Bible? Parents, church, saw the back of you. So what if I tell you it's some pages? It is, but what is it called? The Bible. At the end of the day, stop being difficult. At the end of the day, it's called the Bible. But I'm calling it, I mean, it, it has pages, it has words, but we call it the Bible. All right? So meaning, so it is what we, we, have, we have come to a solution that is what? The Bible. But I'm calling it some pages or whatever else and whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm trying to convince you it's just a book of pages. However, you know for a fact it's a Bible. Why? Because you were taught it's a Bible. So me trying to teach you something new is going to become a lot harder because you were always taught that it was a Bible. 
So when you learn something one way and then something comes and says, now it's a different suggestion, you're like, okay, wait a minute. No, I always knew this was okay. And now you're telling me it's wrong? This is what Paul is saying. He said this law, the members of the law of the mind, is to collide because I was always taught I could satisfy my flesh. And I could go against the law, but now I put on this new man, and this new man says abstain. This new man says don't drink. This new man says don't do drugs. This new man says don't go out and club it. But I always knew it was okay, but now you give me a different perspective? And you expect me to put this in motion instantly? So I have this war between this and this going on at the same time. I'm just trying to figure out how in the heck can I calm my mind down from thinking I can do what I want to do, but God says don't do that because it's corruptible to my flesh. This is what we listen and see in here in Romans chapter 7. This is what Rome, the church of Rome was going through. And this joker comes in saying, God still loves you, everything's well. But we were always taught, Paul, that if we sin, we're going to die. And you telling us that if we sin and we, and, we, and we ask God to forgive us, he will? Yeah, right, man. Yeah, right. And it creates a war between your members and your mind. Is this where some of you are? Maybe in your life trying to war out this thing. And to be honest, if we be very honest with you all, let's be honest and say, our, sometimes our members have the upper hand. <laughs> and if we be honest, we can say that we sometimes help our members get the upper hand. Because we choose to do what we know we should hate, but at the same time it feels so good. It is the collide of law. One law says it's okay. The other law says it's not good for you. It is, that is what we're dealing with in the scripture. I feel like the wrestling is paying off. Praise the Lord. All right? Huh. It, if it does not make, listen to me. Listen to me very strongly. If it does not make sense with you, it will make war happen in your mind. If it does not make sense to your spiritual man quickly, oh man, you ain't, you ain't, you good. I can tell you right now, don't go to the liquor store and drink anymore. But man, if you got your, your mouth set on that 40, so whatever you want to drink, you're going to go to a thing. And you're going, hey, Pastor David said I, could, I shouldn't do that, but you know, I just, I just, you know, I just, oh, I'm, I'm good, you know, I'll stop. Let me just go and do it. And you see the war happening, and sometimes we're quick to acknowledge the war and fight, and sometimes, man, we team up with that member and we go at it. Some of your members are stronger than others. Sometimes that clap back spirit, that clap back member, oh man. Somebody says something smart to you, I want you, you're just ready for it, you know what I'm saying? That member sometimes are strong. Or sometimes it could be the member of, you know, alcoholism. I just want to just get away for a second so I can just chill out. Then you just talk, that member's strong. Or it can be whatever member you are struggling with you in your mind. Whatever's going on. Some are stronger than the other. And that member always is going to suggest something. But I want to throw to you this Matthew chapter 18 verse 3. Matthew chapter 18 verse 3. I hope it's blessing you. Matthew 18 3 says, And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, 
you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Here is the thing you need to understand. It's, this verse is very simplistic in nature. However, it's oftentimes misunderstood by the, in, the, by the uh, person that's, that's illiterate. If you need to understand this, it's simple. Jesus says, he, tells them, he told them, if you want to be, if you want to come into the kingdom, be like a kid. Here is why. Kids are gullible. Except Chloe. <laughs> Chloe ain't gullible. You can't fool Chloe. You ain't fooling Chloe whatsoever. And you can't fool Ari. They're two, they're two peas in the pie. Like, Ari, come over here and get this. Why? Man, ask me nothing. What's that mean? I mean, it's just, why do you have to be a person of questions? Elijah's the same way. Mommy, what? I'm just like, thank God for smart children. Praise the Lord and revive. Amen. But here's the thing. Naturally, kids are gullible, okay? Um, and listen, when they're gullible, facts don't matter. So they're just quick to do something. Here is why. Because when, you're, when you are the mommy and daddy, they are quick to trust you because you're always around, you're showing yourself to be there, and they put trust in you. So they do whatever you tell them to do because they just know that mommy and daddy won't leave me to hurt myself. Can I ask you something? When's the last time you trusted God on that level? So if God said, hey, shut down that part of your member and get your mind back to the law of the mind that I've given you when I gave you myself and when you accepted me, are you quick to say, okay, I want to trust him all this way? Or are you going to say, well, I don't, but I'm just, just not sure. Maybe I just, I'm not, I mean, I'm not done. I want to throw uh, one more time, okay, one more time, and I'll come back, I'll come back. No. You, re- you know why people don't leave their mess? It's because they don't trust God. And when you choose to go against him, that means you trust your mess versus trusting God. This is the law of the mind and the law of your members. That's why they are colliding because God says do this and your members say do that and you're stuck in the middle like I don't know what to do, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. You just freak it out. You know one of the greatest ways to introduce to yourself anxiety and depression stay in the middle with no hope that God can rescue you. I just said something good. I mean sometimes you need to understand the way to get out is to trust him. But Paul says also, although God will help bless you through it, he's not going to take you out of it. And that seems so damning in a sense, but it's not only because his grace is sufficient. There is a war within. I'm doing great with time. God's good. The war that's within is because there is an alien amongst you. Meaning something you don't know. <laughs> I thought about the little probe of gift. <laughs> but I would not be a good um, preacher if I did not give you some sort of hope after this. Okay? Verse 24. We got to keep reading, saints. Verse 24 says, O wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now this is good because it's going to, it's going to bless you just a, just a second. Paul was crying out for deliverance about saying, oh, wretched man that I am, because he understands with this human condition, it isn't up to par and what he would like it to be. Which means although Paul had a war in his members, he hated them jokers. But when you don't hate them, oh man, you will entertain them. When you do, not when you know, you know how it goes. Oh, when you don't hate them, you will entertain them. Slam that on book. But Paul also recognizes that in, that in his mind, he wants to serve God's law since it is holy, just, and good, and spiritual. But at the same time, his fallen nature is in service, listen, to this alien power. This thing is still kind of trying to control him and make him do as if he wants to do. Then Paul says, I cry out in thanksgiving, verse 25, saying, because he knows that Jesus will deliver him from this body. Then plainly put, there is always a way of escape. But the truth of the matter is that way of escape will not be offered until you until that trump shall sound and he cracks the sky. And he calls us on up yonder. When you break the law, there's what? Consequences. You leave out of here and get on Least Town Road and go 90 miles an hour and don't tell me some blue lights or blue and red lights are going to come after you. They will. And if you're going that fast, you're going to be charged down for sitting with reckless driving. And you can go to jail in due time. Because you broke a law. Someone say law. law. There's always consequences. But to every consequence, there is a new chapter. <laughs> All right, y'all got your paper Bible? All right, so we got done with what, verse 25? Someone just journey with me and skip on over to chapter 8 for me, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Here's why I'm so excited. Because although Paul knew what was going on and had this issue inside his body, He's understood that regardless of who I am, I know that if, I, if, I, if I'm with him, he will forgive me. There's no condemnation to what I just suffered with in chapter 7. Because there is now chapter 8. And if that doesn't make you rejoice for a book of me or something, I don't know what will. But the fact is, no matter what you have done, God still says, I don't even remember what you have done or what you have suffered with or what's going on in your members. I have no recollection of that. All I know is if you keep on abiding in me and I in you, then I know for a fact there is now no condemnation to what I just did. He's not holding it over my head anymore. And the reason why is because I suffer with him. I'm going to reign with him. So I can go through what I went through in chapter 7. When a new chapter comes in my life, all is well now because I'm not that same person anymore. There's no condemnation. Nothing holding over my head reminding me of what I just suffered with. Nobody is reminding you of your members except your members. The only person reminding you of your members is what? Your members. Hey, I'm here. Lying tears. I mean, I'm here. And it's good when they call out, like at the right time. Like, 
I know I ain't supposed to be doing this, but I just, all right, real quick. And you still lie, cheat, cuss, slap somebody. I don't know what to do. Kill. Whatever it may be, hope not, but whatever it may be, it is understanding that Paul, through all this chapter seven, understood he could not wait to get to chapter eight. Just to show them there is no condemnation. I'm a joint heir with him. I'm in Christ. That the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared to the Lord. That's Romans 8, 18. Romans 8, 28. For I reckon that all things that work together for the good of those that love the Lord according to the purpose. That's Romans 8, 28. And then he says at the end, what is beautiful to me is that I have come to the conclusion that neither death, nor life, nor age, nor principality, nor power, nor thing in high place, nothing shall separate me from the love of God. Because after I suffered all I went through in chapter 7, I still found out when I got to chapter 8, he was still there. Sometimes you won't see the beauty of God till you get out of your ugly chapter. And Paul was going through an ugly chapter in chapter 7. Yet and still, verse chapter 8 came along saying, this is who it is now. The redeeming grace of God that is available at any point in time. The point is, through all of this, you're always going to battle in your mind. It's there, however, whatever you, would, whatever you entertain has your victory. Roadhouse. Whatever you entertain has your victory. So whatever your member decides to do that day, if that's what you entertain, that has your victory. <laughs> but man, it's so beautiful just taking time to understand that God is great. And regardless of what I'm going through, he's able. And that when I'm in, when I'm in, God is still able. And after I get out of what I'm in, he's still able. And when I go back through again, he's still able. This wants to be just understood. He's able, period. All right? So when laws collide, it's up to you. Now, granted, um, Paul also says in one of his letters that, you know, the more you feed one thing, it's going to grow and start rolling over you. But you also have to starve yourself, your flesh, starve. And that's what's going to kill it. Now, you can't starve your members and they can die. I, do, I, I greatly believe that you can kill some things in your flesh. Yes. Very much so. That's scriptural. However, my point is that although you kill one, there is going to be another. We don't live perfect lives, but we do live a life that is able to be lived uh, with God who is perfect. That's possible. All the time. So this whole purpose of what I, why I shared this is because... God loves you. He understands you go through some things. He understands you suffer a little bit. He understands that. He also says there's enough grace for you to get through it because I'm going to help you through this. There's a war going on. I still have the victory. We're going to defeat this together. At the same time, just be understood that at the end of the day, there is now, therefore, no condemnation. I'm not remembering your war. I'm remembering what I defeated. That is the power of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wrestling match over for right now. Like I'm going to think about it today.
I, and, I, and I really had the whole thing of we're dealing with former wars. There was always things that caused specific war. They wanted economic gain, territorial gain, religion, revenge, defense war. I wanted to go through like all five of those because that was typically the wars that happened in the earlier day. They wanted, they wanted money. They wanted territory. They wanted religion. I mean, if you really think about and putting it and connect it to some things religiously with, with the spirit, oh, man, what a message. Because that's what happens. The, war, the, mind, the, mind, the mind says, all right, God's got me, so I'm going good. I'm going to be all right with it. But then that war of your members come up talking about, wow, we want, you know, they're going to take our territory. We got to get them. And they just launch out after you. <laughs> and it sucks. <laughs> That's why you have to be like Mama Sharon said, uh, have a helmet on. Because you never know what's going to happen. You better, listen, if I could admonish you with anything, man, you better find your face in this every day to ensure you can get through and let's, some, let's let me challenge you guys. Let's do more than just the verse of the day on our Bible app. Amen. Amen. Oh, I told y'all preaching one on one. If you don't want me to stay on it, speak real loud. OK, let's try it again. Don't stay on this. Don't do, read the verse on the Bible app. Amen. See, you told yourself. You got to read the verse on the Bible app. You got to read above that because that's what's going to help you through. I promise you it will. So my greatest encounters is just reading his word. Amen. Praying is beautiful. I love praying. I love interceding. I love prophecy. I love it all. At the end of the day, the grass withers and the flower fades. Remains forever. Amen. And it brings the same. Find yourself in the, in the word. Amen. If you don't know what to study, start with the book. Start with the gospel. Start with Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start with all of the gospels and let them just bless you. Start there. Just read through. Hmm? And jump in the Old Testament too. When it gets when it get a little when it get a little crazy though, jump back in the New Testament. So I'm like, sometimes I be reading the Old Testament like, let me let me go over here because I'm in Leviticus. Let me go over here to uh, 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 for Second Corinthians. I'm just like, bro, man, like it's too much going on. But it's like that. I, I digress. Sorry. But read the Word of God. It'll bless you. It'll get you through. All right, Father, we thank you for what you've accomplished today. Thank you for what you said. We honor you and bless you. All is well because of you. And we thank you, Lord God, that although there is um, the colliding of laws in us, we know at the end of the day, your law remains true forever. Help us to divorce the former law of our old selves and move into accepting what you have given us. We thank you and bless you. It is in your name we pray. Amen.